Who are the two uh, Arcanist Masters that feel the most competitive right now? I'm looking at those cards and going, I, I think we might, they're, they're going to be very interesting going forward. I, I, I think they've probably got my early, early eye on, on something that people are <laughs> going to complain about, even if they don't need, uh, they don't necessarily need a nerf. Uh, do you have any predictions on things that uh, we might go, well, this needs to be looked at, or this is a concern um, outside of what we've talked about so far? There are few things better than stepping away from the screens, unplugging and sitting around a table to do battle with your friends. Every week, Third Floor Wars brings you the latest strategies, tactics, and reviews on board games, card games, and miniature games like Malifaux. If you want useful information on the games you already play, or new insights on great games other people are playing, you are in the right place. Craig and Ray welcome you to the third floor and the Tabletop Talk broadcast. Craig here on the third floor, and today we have James Doxey to talk about Malifaux 3rd Edition, the UK competitive scene, and the most recent tournament where he podiumed. Now, you might know James is one of the prominent Malifaux players in the UK. He was a regular contributor to Ben Symes' Arcane Reservoir podcast, which was, I think, one of the best podcasts about Malifaux. It was uh, really too bad to see it kind of die out. Um, so, James, welcome to the third floor. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Can you give us a quick, just a quick background for people that are not familiar with you? Yeah, no problem. So I've been playing uh, Malifaux pretty much as long as there's been Malifaux, so since the first book of first edition. Um, been hanging around since then. Um, involved in lots of the structural stuff of the UK scene, set up the first rankings, was sort of casually sort of side involved in a lot of things from Arcane Reservoir, which, as you say, is brilliant through sort of helping occasionally organize the um, the nationals and some other stuff. And I moderate the weird forum, forum, so you'll see me on there as Mythic Fox. Very, very cool. I've been following you on Twitter for a while, James, and uh, I am getting a sense that uh, you've been playing some M3E. So I just kind of want to give Kind of your high-level thoughts. Um, how do you feel about the new edition? Were you involved in the testing at all? Um, I'm anxious to hear. Yeah, I mean, I, I took a bit of a break from Malfoy, like a lot of players, come the end of, uh, of second edition. Um, so I got back involved probably back end of the the open beta. I think from from my perspective, what I'm, what I'm liking a lot about M3 is it's probably the best of both editions. So having played first edition and played second edition, this feels kind of like quite an interesting sort of halfway between the two. And with a really, um, so like I said, best of both worlds feel. So I didn't play first edition. I, I, that's interesting to me. So what, what aspect of first edition do you see sneaking into third? So um, a lot of the, the sort of first edition was very cluttered in the sense that sort of, you know, models were routinely requiring sort of two cards and, and tiny font to get all their rules on. That's why that, that, a lot of that went away in second edition. We got a lot through upgrades, you know, sort of first edition played, probably played in, in a more... Each victory point mattered, probably more than each victory point mattered in, in, in second edition, certainly towards the end of first edition. Um, that sort of scoring to eight it, it is very reminiscent to first edition, the, the way models feel whole without upgrades now. Um, you know, that, that's very first edition. So there is a sort of, 
you know, it, it does, yeah, best of both worlds, but it is a little bit, it's in the, the way the game kind of feels to play. Um, you know, it feels a lot more kind of contained. Masters have their own, probably more identity now through the keywords, which again is more reminiscent of first edition. First edition crews were probably less uh, sort of a mishmash than they, they became by the end of second edition. Right, right. It um, the probably the biggest takeaway I've had from the scoring perspective is it to your point, it feels like like every action matters. Like there isn't throwaway stuff like you used to have in two E where you go, well, it really doesn't matter what this guy does. It feels like between between turn one and turn five, like I have to think a lot about everything that I do. Are you feeling that same way? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you're scoring every point matters because you're scoring less points, right? And you're scoring less points over, you know, sort of over over less time. So in, in second edition, you know, you were you were contesting pretty much all all of the ten points each. So you mm-hmm. could you could score up to ten points yourself. You could prevent up to ten points for your opponent scoring. Um, and you could score in big blocks. So some of those schemes would score three points at once, um, and you don't do that anymore. So now when I look at it, you in, in third edition, you're scoring, well, technically up to eight points each, but in practice, that third and, and, and certainly the fourth strategy point are nearly impossible to get hold of. Certainly that fourth strategy point's really, really difficult, um, as are you know probably some of the you know some of the second point or at least one of the schemes is usually pretty prohibitive. Mm-hmm. So you tend to find um, you may be cont- you know so the points you're contesting with your opponent you know is narrowed to maybe you know maybe by the time you can't really stop the first strategy point being scored each of you you know pretty much if, if your first strategy points are given and the fourth one's unachievable on strategy you may be contesting two strategy points whereas right. in you know you'd be contesting probably more like four in second edition so you've got that real kind of you're contesting probably fewer moments in the game but contesting them more more hardly hardly not the right word but there we go i'll fail no. english Sunday afternoon. I'm <laughs> no, I, caffeinated right now i hadn't thought about that just from a pure mathematical sense it's just every point is just amplified not just because of the reduction to eight but to your point you know that you only get a second point for that strat or for the, that scheme, and that third and fourth point is no joke on those strategies. Um, so maybe that's why it felt feels to me just so much more intense, and that in a good way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely that. And I think I think the the sort of the, the models being less killy actually kind of falls into that a lot more as well. So I, I think where where you've got models sort of models are kind of in danger more. Mm-hmm. Because they're, they're sort of oddly because they're living longer, <laughs> um, is sort of like they're in danger mode. Or before, like things had you know someone would swoop in and delete a model out off the table now, but now you're having a lot more sort of standing punch ups. It feels you know it feels like oh, you know I've got to get this right because you know it's the difference between life or death for this model um, more than. I think it was in second edition. Yeah, and you got more to think about in turn three, you know, three and four, just because there's more models against you and there's more models at your disposal. So, yeah, absolutely. There's more models alive. You've got more choices as well. So, even if you're outnumbered, like when and where you use your pass tokens is still a decision. So, your actual, sometimes your your activation decisions don't drop off the way they did in second edition when, when you were running out of models towards the end of a turn. Or end of a game. So, what do you think's driving your excitement right now? Um, so, if you were gonna, if you were talking to somebody who's never played three, and you were to kind of say, "Look, you know, this this is the two or three things that make this worth to coming back to." What do you, What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think certainly for players returning, I mean, it's you know, it, it's it's the same, but it's fresh. So it's, it's you know, it, it's that refreshed 
um, feel. Everything works a bit differently. Everything's cleaned up a bit. There's tons of ground to explore. Um, and I, I think one of the one of the great one of the great things right now is you know everybody works a little bit differently um, to the way they worked in second edition. So all of that that stuff that you've got, you know, all of your models work slightly differently now, um, and that means there's just so much sort of fresh ground to explore. Um, that's probably the first thing. The second thing is you know it's a lot cleaner. Um, the way they've sorted out and sort of standardized conditions, um, the way they've sorted some of the, the sort of the strategy scoring out means that the game's a lot cleaner. I think I've likened it in the past to sort of Malifaux with its, its bedroom tidied on its best behavior. Um, <laughs> so it kind of kind of feels kind of kind of feels pretty good in that respect. Um, and and you know and also you know crews are. You know the the theming. You know the the, the sort of the, um, the focus on on theming actually means that crews feel distinct. So you know a Keris crew for me doesn't feel you know it isn't just Keris leading the same models. Uh, you know like towards the end of second edition, pretty much the crew would stay the same. You might swap the master out, but yep. the crew is probably the same. Um, it doesn't feel like that now. You know a Keris crew crew will feel different to. Uh, you know, and contain quite different models to, um, say, a Mayfang crew, and that's you know, something to be celebrated. So, one of the changes, there's a couple couple changes that I, I, I'm not necessarily against, um, but I but made me scratch my head a little bit. So, I'm anxious to hear what your thoughts on the first thing is during you know the pregame and the addition of declaring masters to each other before you build crews. Um, how has that felt to you? Do, you? do you think you have any insight on maybe why that was a decision that was made and what you like or maybe you're concerned about? Yeah, I mean, it's not one I have a, I have a firm view on. Um, I mean, I think there's a... As to why the change was made, I suppose with, with sort of keywording, it would be it kind of matters less... So before you had keywords, I'm trying to try the right way to phrase this. Before you had keywords, um, you could pick just about anything. So the knowledge of what the master was probably wasn't terribly relevant. And you think back to second edition, and you know, I'm, I'm a long-standing arcanist, so most things are viewed through the arcanist prism. You know, you sort of you had a weird m- mind games of like if you're playing arcanist on arcanist, do you take Marcus because beasts are really important in second edition arcanists? And it's like if you if you take Marcus. You know, do I take Marcus and do I take Beasts? And, and sort of there was a weird mind games there. And maybe mm-hmm. what this helps do with the theming and the keyword and you sort of like get us out of having to make those really weird sort of second guess choices on, you know, in, in certain matchups. Um, I don't know if in... I, I'm, st- I'm not, I've still not become sold on whether or not this is a good thing or a bad thing. Um, I, I suspect I have a much firmer, firmer view, you know, in a few months' time, but there don't seem to be that many sort of hard counters available. It's not like because there's no mercenaries anymore. It's not like you can bring in things that are, you know, incredibly harmful um, if you theme one way or the other. So I can take this or leave this as a change for me. Yeah, and you know, even if you're trying to buy counters out of keyword and faction, you're paying for it. So uh, I'm kind of where you are, James. I, I haven't figured, I haven't decided, like it hasn't affected anything for me. Right. So in, in the games that I've played, I didn't finish it going, son of a bitch. Why did, you know, this declaring master stuff is terrible. So I've never been there, but it's just, it's, it's odd. So um, it's odd. I mean, I, I seem to recall and I, I could, I could be mistaken. Um, I seem to think by the end of first edition, that was how we were doing competitive play in first edition because of the, there were some weird things where, like, if, if someone went, you know, you needed, and that was that was a, certainly a balancing factor for some very powerful masters. Um, was sort of, you know, having to, you know, knowing you were going into a very powerful master, you know, certain very powerful masters, it was kind of a bit of a course correction back in first edition. But I don't ever remember it being problematic. 
I mean, oddly, if you go through to the pre-game process, there are some things in there I'd have changed before this. Like, why why are we setting up terrain before we know where we need to go from and to? It's mm. always, always 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 thrown me as a. I'm not sure why we're, why we're doing that because it just means you set up a board and then realize, oh yeah, and then put markers <laughs> in the middle of this impassable terrain. You know, there's there are, you know there are probably other things I would have gone to first as a change, but I'm yep. not yeah like you say not against it one way or the other. How about uh, so the other one that's that I've been tackling with and you know when I was you know all theory hadn't played a game I was like this is terrible it's bad for the game don't know what they're doing and then as I've gotten some games under my belt I'm like that's eh, really not bothering me that much and that's the ability to hire a second master yeah I mean this is this is another one so um, and again that's that's another thing you used to be able to do in first edition um, the I don't, I, I don't necessarily like it because it, there's a weird game design thing with like what we're trying to do this edition through the keyword is kind of bring themed crews back. And this, this, this change to add second masters kind of feels like it's working in the opposite of that design goal. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, I, it's one of those where long term, I mean, you may well get out, outlawed in gaining grounds. I've played against my, one of my regular opponents does this a lot. He, he kind of hires a lot of multiple masters. Um, and it's, you know, I think in our first, the first time we sat down to play M3E, um, he hired three masters, you know, sorry, oh. he hired two masters. He brought a master and hired two masters. So I'm sat there against three masters and I brought kind of a fairly fluffy May Feng crew just to try the rules out. And it's like, bam, three masters. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, I wouldn't say that I, I found it overwhelming to play against. I, I think, you know, I, I actually think in some respect, it, it's not overly effective. Um, and I, I what I worry about slightly, and this isn't something I've seen yet, is where you get masters that are potentially very killy. Right. Um, so sort of like your your prime, you know, where we might find a problem is like where your primary, instead of hiring your 10 stone beater, you're hiring a 16 stone combat master. Um, and that's a, that's possibly where we might see some break points or if there are any weird synergies that haven't been properly um, sort of a lot of, a lot of them, the worst things are kind of key, you know, are built out in the cards. So it's like, um, a lot of abilities only work if the master is also the leader. Mm-hmm. Um, which also sort of tends to shut down some of the worst, you know, potential abuses of multiple masters. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I don't see it as a problem um, yet, but I'm, I'm sure I think it's one of those things that we can revisit. It's, it'd be very easy to fix in gaining grounds if we think it's, you know, if it ultimately becomes a problem. So I'm not worried about it. Yeah, and I, I feel the same way. I mean, our local guild players are, you know, hiring Lady J a lot. Um, mm. And, uh, but again, I'm not seeing feedback from everybody saying, you know, you know, you know, this this this, this stuff is broken. So that, that's good. And I think, to your point, James, it's it's one of those things that you know we have not unleashed this edition onto the uh, competitive testing grounds. Um, so I think that this is one of those things that um, you know we'll know in six to twelve months of some real testing out in the real world with a ton of people it'll sort itself out and they've got the gaining grounds thing to kind of you know work with that is there is there anything else um that you think you know a year from now you and i get back on and we talk again uh do you have any predictions on things that uh we might go well this needs to be looked at or this is a concern um, outside of what we've talked about so far I mean, I think we, yeah, I think, I think probably the the one thing I was expecting to be addressed through third edition that hasn't been um, is probably model bloat um, in terms of the range. Like, I would have been very supportive if they'd have gone, okay, we've got, you know, because there's a lot of models currently in Malifa, a lot of different kinds of model, and I'd have been been fairly supportive if they'd have gone right. These six 
random models from Arcanist. Say, I'm going to pick some, you know, December acolyte, Union miner, you know, rail worker, um, steam fitter, or you know, the three of those are just generic dudes with different mechanical parts, right? If we'd have just collected all of those models and called them Arcanist activist or something. Um, and kind of group them together. Go right. Those are now that model to reduce the number of different uh, models in the range. Now it could have been done across the factions. So I, I kind of wonder, like, if we're going forward, we're going to get a lot of new models in, into an already expansive range. I think that's a potential, you know, risk that we'll need addressing. Um, but you know, in terms, of, it, it's difficult to predict. And I think to your point, like, we haven't fully competitively tested yet. Well. I think anyone, you're right, you're absolutely right. And I think anyone that's sort of trying to tell you how M3 is going to shake out now probably, you know, will be proved wrong. So I think there's a, I think we've got to wait and see. But yeah, that'd probably be the thing I, I was expecting to see addressed that hasn't been. But, you know, that's not necessarily a problem for us. It's more of a problem for store owners and for weird themselves. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I think it helps that the models, and this is and, I, and this is not derogatory, the models are simpler. I mean, it doesn't mm-hmm. take me a, a half an hour to explain to you what a Kantari does now. It did before, um, you know, and a steam fitter, uh, you know, that took forever to explain to somebody when they said, oh, mm-hmm. what's that model do? But now it's simplified, but it's still the same number of models. And uh, no, I, I think that's one to definitely keep the eyes on. Uh, you may not know this, but uh, I love – Really, everything about Malifaux except for the Arcanist faction. Um, <laughs> I've I've got just a, a completely uh, irrational hatred of it, um, of that entire faction. Um, so uh, credit to me for allowing you to come on the show. That's being considered. But I do want to hear about, uh, you know, kind of how does the faction feel for you in three? How many masters have you gotten under your belt? Uh, there's a lot of Arcanist players that are anxious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the, the I've played with most of them now. The, the three I haven't played with, um, I've not played with Colette because everybody plays Colette and she gets, I mean, I think at one point in the beta forum, I pointed out, I did a quick count and I pointed out that like half the posts in the beta forum were about Colette um, and maybe we should look at some of the other masters. So, I haven't personally played Colette yet. Um, I haven't personally played Marcus because Marcus actually doesn't interest me. Uh, good riddance to the Neverborn. Um, <laughs> and, um, and, and I haven't got Hoffman on the board yet and he's much one of the ones I'm quite excited to try. All of the others I've, I've had at least probably a couple of games with. And uh, yeah, I think as a faction, I mean, again, to my earlier point, anyone who tells you how we're, you know, how this is going to shake out in a year is probably wrong. So, <laughs> so take this with a pinch of salt. But I think we're in a, I think we're in a really good space. Um, I've played a couple of events. I've done reasonably well. You know, um, certainly my teammates would point out that's because Arcanists are broken and not because I'm a good player. Um, I'll let people form their own own opinions. Um, but no, I, I think I think we're in a you know I think as a faction we're in a really good space. We seem to what we have is objective runners. Um, we've got some really quality objective runners right now, and, and sort of in in breadth. And that's always what you what you need. Um, mm-hmm. If you've got decent objective runners, if you've got um, you know you've got decent beaters, and we do. Um, then you're not going to have a particularly terrible addition. So provided things, and obviously things could change between now and the final release, um, but I, I think we're in we're in a fair space, and I, I don't see a strategy or a scheme pool come up that I go, uh, we got nothing for this. Um, yeah. I think we're I think we're in a good spot. So, and I want to talk of power levels and effectiveness in a second, but before we do that, who are you having the most fun with? I, I, I love Karis. Um, for lot, you know, I've, I've loved Karis since um, really since since she appeared. Um, she's my favourite. She's been particularly rubbish um, for, for two editions. So, 
Um, I'm not yet sold that she's you know she, she's she's top tier, um, but she's certainly certainly very interesting to play now. So um, I'm certainly having a lot of fun with Karius and just just setting my my opponent's stuff on fire um, is a lot of fun. So that, yeah, that, that, that's it for me. Who who are the two uh, Arcanist masters that feel the most competitive right now? Um, I mean, I, I think Sandeep is certainly um, is certainly there now. Now, some of that is is probably um, familiarity. Um, some, summoning is still powerful. Um, yeah, it's not been. You know, I, I, it doesn't feel as ridiculous as it did in Second Edition. Um, you know, the, the controls on that are really good. Um, I played a game at the weekend, and I'm going to talk about that. I was playing against a summoner with Karis. Um, I think we got to a point where I was I was I was picking up six pass tokens at the start of turns because I was I was heavily outnumbered. I was still well in that game, um, so I don't think it's too bad. But yeah, certainly right now, um, Sandeep Sandeep feels feels really good. Um, I think. I said I like Keris. I think I think people are talking Tony down. I think we'll find probably Tony's got some really interesting stuff um, as we go. I'm not as sold on May Feng as some people, um, but I know she's you know she's doing great guns. I mean she's got a lot of mobility, which is what you want. So I, I'd struggle to pick a second. I think right now Sandeep is certainly in a good space, um, and I, I don't think the you know, and I, I think I, I could actually probably name three or four. Different Arcanist masters that, that could also be be very easily be competitive. So that's yeah, a good I, thing. Yeah, this is it. I'm not. I'm not. Not worried about where we are as a faction because I have not seen like, oh, this is rubbish. That's rubbish. You know, actually, we're you know, we've got we've got stuff that works. Very, very cool. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to talk to James a little bit more about kind of what's happening on the UK uh, scene and uh, kind of get a feel for it. So we'll be right back. So, James, one of the reasons that I started Third Floor Wars was um, I wanted to put a competitive master's type uh, scene together for the U.S. And that was out of sheer envy uh, for what you guys were doing over in the U.K. Um, after a couple of years of watching you guys just have so much fun um, as an active meta, as a um, competitive meta, um, I just felt like uh, we, uh, those of us on this side of the pond were a little bit behind. Um, but I also get a sense that, uh, the scene kind of dipped a little bit after the announcement of a new edition came out. And I know that you kind of ghosted for a little bit, um, but, uh, have come back. So can you kind of give me a feel of kind of where we were in the UK, where we are now and, uh, what level of optimism do you have about the future of the game? Yeah, absolutely. So I, you know, as you saw, I stepped out of the scene probably at, it, at its um, at its peak. Um, lots of events going on, um, and I, I sort of stepped out just shut, just probably just a prior to the um, to the, the announcement slash leak of the uh, the third edition. And you know, I stepped out for some career stuff um, and to deal with some other things personally. Um, and played around with a few other games um, in the meantime that I didn't need quite the same level of investment to. But I, I know that the scene, like I think a lot of scenes around 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 the rest of the country, I mean, this is the or around the rest of the world, I think took did take a significant dip um, in in the gap because once you know an edition of the game is is over, it's very difficult to have the same level of investment because you don't know if you're investing in anything with the future. Do you? you know, sort of, you buy a model, well, is that model going to be any good? You know. It's difficult to invest in painting a new crew because you don't know if the crew is going to work. Um, and so naturally, I think, you know, in, in the gap between the, the knowledge that third edition was coming and today, the scene has, you know, has had a degree of atrophy. Events are still happening, um, but, you know, attendance is down. Um, and that's probably a natural part of the cycle. 
Um, but now, now the beta's locked. And I know a lot of people through the open beta were saying, well, I, you know, I don't, a lot of players don't enjoy play test, um, which is perfectly fair. You know, stuff changing every week. Malco is a hard game to grasp at the best of times. So, um, and with things changing every week, it can be difficult. I joke sometimes I'm still trying to use first edition rules every now and again. I go, <laughs> oh, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm still, uh, you know, still charging, getting one attack and, and with a positive damage flip, I think was the rule in first edition. Just occasionally I get that kind of, oh, I'm going to admit, no, that must have been like two editions ago. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, I think, you know, now we've got beta locked. I think we're starting to see returning players come back uh, or sorry your existing players people who've got suitcases full of Malifaux stuff that has been it's on the shelf since as sort of looking at coming back um certainly i'm seeing more and more people that i know playing you know, play, you know tweeting and, and saying oh i'll play my first game really enjoyed it i've not heard any anyone who's sort of looked at coming back had a game of m3 gone actually i didn't enjoy that i think everyone's had really positive thoughts and i'm I'm really positive. Look, you know, events seem to be picking up and gaining more players um, of late, and I, I expect that we'll get an influx of returning players. Now, beta's locked, and then when the, the sort of the full retail launch of third edition and the shiny new models appear, I think we'll get an influx of new players, and I think we'll we'll build back to where we where we were. But we still have a viable scene today. Um, that that's probably the, the underlying point. You know, it's not it's just smaller than it was, but. Yeah, and it's. It, um, I think anybody who is portending the uh, the death of Malifaux based off of what we've seen over the last eight nine months is uh, getting way ahead of themselves because um, I do think that it's going to be. I can go buy the rule book. I can buy new cards. I can buy new models. That's that. Then we'll we'll see, right? And then whether whether this game attracts new players. Yeah, and you know the death of this game has been predicted before many times. Um, you know, going way back to first edition, and there's there's a thought about you know can you get a game of Malifaux? Well, you know, I, I went to a tournament, you know, this weekend. I have one next weekend and the weekend after. Um, <laughs> That's you know, you pretty good. A, you know, you, you can get a game, um, and, and provided you know, I, I, I think you can pretty much anywhere in the country you can get a game. Plenty of people have got Malifaux gear. Um, you know, it doesn't. Um, you know, it's, it doesn't spoil. It's not fruit or vegetables, is it? You know, those models are still in your case. They still work. Um, your fake deck still got fifty-four cards in it, hopefully. Um, so, <laughs> so you know, I, I think I think it's I, yeah, I, I think it's in, it's ripe to, to come back and attract new new players. And this, you know, it's a fantastic setting. Above all else, it's a fantastic world and setting. Um, and and I think with you know people being positive and just playing more Malifaux, you know, build it and they'll come. Yeah, and I agree with you on the setting, James. And that's what I, why I mean, there's from a competitive standpoint, I love the keyword thing, but I just love from a God, this is so cool aspect. Love the keyword. Um, love seeing just thematic crews as opposed to um, you know the A team of the Gremlins or the A team of Guild. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I agree. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 
So out of, just out of curiosity, James, you mentioned you went out and played a couple other games. Um, can you give us an idea what games you fooled around with and were there things about those games you liked um, or things about Malifaux you missed? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I played, I played. Um, I sort of stepped into Legend of the Five Rings when that launched, the uh, the LCG from Fantasy Flight. That's a lot of fun. Um it's release schedule, you know, sort of, and again, because I was I was only able to dabble to a certain extent due to due to work commitments. It was, it also it launched with you know content. You know, the, the thing with any card game is content is always coming out at the wrong speed. It's either too quick or too slow. Um, <laughs> you know, that's just a given. So um, it was it was slightly too slow for me, and it, it lost my interest. But it's a fantastic game, and I really hope to return to that at some point. Um, I, I then fooled about um, with Shadespire for a bit, um, GW's quote-unquote competitive miniatures game. Um, and I think, if anything, that was sort of my gateway drug back. Um, that's just like Malifaux light. Uh, and what mm-hmm. I'd say to anyone listening to this who, who likes Shadespire, I would really give Malifaux a try. If you want to kind of state that step between sort of Shadespire and, 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 and quote-unquote a proper war game, um, not that I really subscribe to that view, but you see what I mean, um, then really consider taking a look at Malifaux because that's, you know, that's fantastic and, and a really, you know, really positive, uh, you know, it, it really kind of, it was, it was funny. I, I, I was at RFLGS and somebody I was playing Chase by with and he asked me about Malifaux and afterwards, um, uh, sort of Neil asked, uh, RFLGS owner just described back to me, watching me get myself back into Malifaux by explaining to this, <laughs> this, this person that had asked me the question, um, what was, um, you know, you know what, you know what, what is Malifaux? What's Malifaux all about? And after sort of boring them to tears for forty-five minutes about the joys of Malifaux, I was back into the game. Um, <laughs> you talked yourself into it. <laughs> I worked myself to blame. I'm an addict. Yeah, that's really funny. Uh, that's good. Um, so I've got uh, one of the guys that I played a lot of Malifaux with. We kind of lost him when the new edition got announced. And plus, I think he was getting getting kind of frustrated with it. He went over and is really enjoying uh, Shadespire and has been. Put Pushing me, so I, I got myself a a warband, and uh, where I'm going to be trying it out here in a little bit because I hear good things about it. Um, but it's it's interesting that you you consider it kind of as a gateway uh, to, to Malifaux and Malifaux Light. Um, I'll be very anxious to see what I think too. Um, that's great. Yeah, and I, it's, and it's right, and I just just be really clear. It's not a bad game. I just want to be really clear about Shades, but it's not a bad game. It's it's actually you know it it, it is for what it's trying to do. It's really good. Um, it's just you know. It does, it, you know, you can you can see decision, you know, as you can see sort of aspect of Malifaux in its design, um, which is quite interesting. But yeah, it, it, it's, it's certainly worth a look. Um, it just couldn't hold my attention the same way Malifaux can. Yeah, I, I think it, I mean, the reason I bought into it and I'm going to try it is because it, there's enough things that are different. One, I love the, you know, the playtime looks good, you know, is nice. Um, getting a ga- couple quick games in. Um, it, uh you know, it's got aspects of other games that I've liked and stuff. So I, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to enjoy it. Um, I, I'm not hearing from anybody that it's anywhere nearly as deep as Malifaux, which is the no. number one reason why I like Malifaux. So, yeah, I mean, if I was to criticize it, I, I want to, I always hate this kind of people from other games criticizing other games. Um, you know, um, so I want to be really clear, you know, it is, it is a good game. Um, I, I, it does have the kind of the th- the one thing it does have is the thing I dislike most about Blood Bowl, which is like the don't roll a one simulator element of, of kind of Blood Bowl. Um, and, and that's probably something. I mean, you talk about game length. Yeah, I mean, Chase Buy is a nice quick game, um, which, you know, which is great. Um, what was interesting was playing L5R, having come from Malifaux, was like L5R as, a, as an LCG is quite a long played L, you know, 
else, you know, card, card game that takes quite a while to play. So most card games you're playing in 20, 30 minutes, maybe right. top end. Um, L5R is 45 minutes to an hour and people are going, oh, this takes forever. And I've, wow. I've just come from Malifaux where, you know, two, two, two and a half hour game and you're going, <laughs> this feels like a breeze, you know. <laughs> you know, you know I'm, I'm sort of turning up to events in the morning, playing four rounds, and getting home at a sense of all time. It's uh, you know, it's a very different world. So yeah. <laughs> that's funny. All right, we're going to take another quick break, and uh, when we get back, I want to talk to James about uh, the event Hall of Eggs that he just went to. We'll be right back. So the reason I reached out to James. Um, to try to get him on the podcast is he talked about an event that he just had played in. And um, I really had not talked or heard a whole lot about the events happening over the UK. Um, so I, w- I was, uh, you know, that's why I reached out to James among other reasons. But so James, you played in uh, the event was called Hall of Eggs. Um, what happened? Yeah. So it's Hall of Eggs, which is one of that, one of the sort of the, the, the routine sort of traditional events that are run. Um, I think this is a seventh year of Hall of Eggs um, run by, one of our fantastic TOs and, and David Brown, uh, just, just to really call out, he does more for the UK Malifaux scene than anyone else. Um, and, you know, prolific TO, brilliant guy, um, and has been sort of a massive supporter and a massive reason why we have such a good scene in the UK. So um, really wanted to go down and support his event. Um, like I said, I've done a number of Hall of Eggs, and they're, they're called Hall of Eggs in reference to the old uh, Gremlin Egg Hauler. Easter oh, right, model. right. Um, and it always happens around Easter. So then prizes include, you know, Easter eggs. So it's a, uh, that's the, that's sort of the name, which I appreciate probably might go past some, uh, some people, because I think the egg haulers are old metals from first edition. Quite hard to get hold of now. Um, so yeah, I had a, you know, great day. It was um, held at Battlefield Hobbies, which is down in the Midlands. Um, again, another really good venue um, run by some some terrific people who again do a lot in in a number of um, a number of uh, sort of different gaming scenes. So they're uh, they're really um, you know they're worth checking out if you're ever in the area um, and in a, in a sort of fantastic store. So it was a um, as I said, scenes relatively reduced um, at the moment. So there were only only twelve of us for the event. Uh, travel with a, a teammate, Paul, um, and we're able to go down, get three rounds of Malifaux in, and have a good time. So let's talk about uh, round one, James. Yeah, so round one, my uh, my first time playing uh, playing against Rezzers in M three. So always always a moment, and Rezzers are probably my traditional enemy as an Arcanist. I sort of seem to have spent more time playing them than than anybody else. So it was interesting to play them for the first time. Uh, it was a game of reckoning, um, and I kind of I kind of pre planned to play a different master in each round, um, and I chose to stick with that, which is probably a mistake. Um, but I, I sort of I kind of stuck to my guns and decided to play Tina. In, in hindsight, should have played Karis. Mm. Uh, my opponent played McMorning. Uh, first time playing McMorning, and he's he's always always a bit frightening. So McMorning, a couple of Kentauri, a couple of little gases, you know, these uh, rogue necromancy. So you know, fairly aggressive list come to come barreling at me. Um, my uh, my wind gamin failed to leap at any any available moment, as did my blessed of December. Um, but I was able to sort of hang in there while uh, while sort of desperately trying to keep um, Rasputina from having any uh, unnecessary surgery. <laughs> um, and <laughs> between that and um, you know that, that and playing a reasonably sort of defensive game, um, I was able to sort of hold a four-four draw, uh, which could very easily have gone a couple of points either way um, at various stages. But uh, but a very a very sort of nail-biting finish against McMorning, and he's certainly an interesting master to face. When uh, you know, if, with all the games you're playing, one of the f- concerns that uh, I had about the scoring system, uh, there's a, and to be clear, there's a lot of things about the new 
uh, strats and schemes that I love and how things are mm-hmm. scored that I love. One concern I had though was was there being a lot of ties. Um, are you are you seeing that? You mentioned round one you tied. Um, I don't know if I'm seeing a lot of it yet. I think we're at one of those points where, so you know, experience is very different. You know, there, there are players coming in playing the first games at these events, or players who've been playing you know a lot. Um, I'm probably in the in the mid 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 level to be honest. I've not been playing through through sort of closed beta or, or relatively aggressively through a lot of the beta process. So. Um, you've got different players at different skill level, different experience levels. So where you've got mismatching skill, you get you, you tend to get wider results in terms of points differences as as the scene matures and players get better. What I've seen in previous editions is these sort of scores tighten up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not not something I'm seeing a concern with now. It may well be something to watch. Um, there's various things that can be done in gaining grounds if that becomes a problem, though you can have, you know, you can have schemes, you know, and strats where you can have strats where one, only one player is able to score, which will pretty much in in this edition eradicate that. I would expect as as a risk, but but yeah. right now, yeah, there is a there is a risk to that. But I I'm not seeing it yet. Whether we start to see it when when skill gaps close, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Um, so you tie up uh, round one, you head into round two. Who'd you face? Yeah, so heading into round two with plenty of jokes about me submarining um, from, 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 from various teammates. Um, so yeah, t- tied up round one, um, walked in, into round two. Now round two was um, was was Dreamer, um, and my first and my first game against Neverborn uh, in this this edition. Um, so you know, interesting. My my opponent was playing a very uh, sort of themed um, Dreamer list. Uh, Widow Weaver, three Stitch Togethers, uh, a Teddy. You know, so a pretty standard um, kind of themed Dreamer list. The um, the, the interesting thing playing. Uh, so we were playing Plant Explosives, um, and, and my opponent possibly just hesitated a moment too much in turn one. Was probably a little bit fearful of my Karis, um, and, and sort of deployed a little bit too far back in uh, in flank deployment. So he was deployed, deployed almost inside the the, the, sort of the nine inch square of the L rather than the full L shape of the of that, and that really cost him in terms of pace getting off the line. Um, this is the game I mentioned earlier where at one point I think I was sort of I was getting six pass tokens at the start of turn three Um, you know we were sort of fairly heavily outnumbered fairly you know fairly early on Um, but the kind of the boost of speed I got by by being a bit further forward um, managed to um, managed to um, sort of afford me enough enough of an advantage to to sort of get up in the game Um, and I I ended uh, managed to end 3-0 so a win, but probably a win, um, you know, win. I'm not sure I'd repeat, um, you know, every day of the week. What's interesting is is have a look at Stitch Togethers. I'm looking at those cards and going, I, I think we might, they're, they're going to be very interesting going forward. I, I, I think they've probably got my early early eye on on something that people are <laughs> going to complain about, even if they don't need, uh, they don't necessarily need a nerf. They're certainly, uh, they're, they're certainly a very frightening prospect to take on. Yeah, I'm hearing that. I've yet to face them, but uh, some of the local Neverborn players are are big fans. So I'm going to have to take a look at the card. <laughs> yeah, there's a the, yeah, the, the sort of the more you read of the card, you're oh, oh hang on a minute, this is going to be yeah, this is going to be very fun. Um, but you know, in fairness, you know, fortunately, you know, the big sacks of cloth. So uh, funnily enough, those burn. So Keris didn't have too much of a problem. Nice, nice. So a nice win in round two. To, uh, so coming into round three, um, were you top table on round three? 
Uh, table two in round three. Um, okay. So we've got a few players were on uh, on on, uh, on two wins at this point. Obviously, I'm on a win and draw. So going to round three, get an Arcanist mirror. Um, and you know, my first Arcanist mirror um, of third edition. So that's uh, you know played a lot against uh, against Guild and Thunders so far, but not uh, not not played a lot against uh, against uh, other Arcanists. So um, round three was a looking at the objectives was a pretty pretty good setup for Sandeep. Um, it's got hold up their forces. Uh, it's got Vendetta, which Sandeep's got some tricks for, um, uh, and, and, and Breakthrough playing uh, into, I think it was a wedge turf war. Um, so it's so a pretty good matchup um, for Sandeep. My opponent um, puts down Hoffman. Um, and I, I like Hoffman. I got a soft spot for him. I used to play him in Guild at the very end of first edition, um, and he's been one I've been meaning to get back on the table. And I think this this game probably sold me on giving him a go. I think the internet so far is pretty down on Hoffman. I, I'm looking at going. I'm not sure why. I think there's I think there's some really really interesting stuff in there. Um, and again, it was a moment where where my opponent sort of slightly hesitated. Um, and and what one of the things I'm finding about about turf war is the trick. So. I've got no armor removal in my case, which is an oversight on my part. So my opponent goes off and I go, oh, I have nothing that ignores armor. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I'm, I'm not going to be killing a lot. Um, so I, I had to pick something fairly mobile. And one of the interesting moves with Turf War is, I think what you're trying to do with Turf War is get the two nearest um, markers to you flipped and then get as much of your stuff as possible into your opponent's half so it's much harder for them to turn it off by killing. Right, um, and I was able to kind of. My opponent just slightly hesitated coming out of his deployment zone and had some actually fairly effective shooting from those constructs. What I hadn't realised is a lot of those harpoon guns on the back of them are range twelve, so they're pretty. You know, they can come out pretty quick when they're fast and, and sort of firing harpoon guns on positive flips at you with built-in triggers. It's it's actually quite frightening, and some stuff got uh, got shot off fairly early that I wasn't expecting to lose. But just because he'd he'd, he'd hesitated to take those shots meant he wasn't as far forward as he could have been. So my guys were able to sort of get round the sides over the halfway line. And so then we were able to play the game in his half of the board, not mine, at which point it was it was much easier for me to turn right turn the game. It was also like I say, it was it was an objective set that was sort of fairly heavily favoured for Hoffman. Uh, sorry, for for, uh, for Sandeep. Um and I managed to get out of that seven two, uh, which is a big win. That is a big win. Wow. <clears throat> but it, but it got you interested in in Hoffman. Yeah, I, I think you know. I think most constructs being armor two now is massive um, along the survivability line. I the, the key wording means there's not as much armor removal um, as once there was, and Hoffman himself can cancel armor removal. He's sort of got the the counter to that on his own on his own ability. So I, I think actually that's pretty good. There's a lot of native pushes in Hoffman uh, and a lot of ability to sort of boost AP. Now, how good he's in Guild, I don't know, because Guild stuff are for objective runners. There's sort of a lack of those in Guild, um, which I think ultimately may come back to haunt the faction as we go through the edition. But Arcanist, now we've got some pretty decent generic objective runners and cheap objective runners you can hire out of keyword, which means as a you know, if you want to go in and play Hoffman in Arcanists, you're not necessarily losing out on the um, you know, you're not necessarily losing out on on sort of some of the, the objective running that you'll need in order to make that work. Right. So, bit of range, decent, you know, decent survivability, a lot of native pushers, things I really look for in a crew, and also like, I just love steam powered robots. You know, that's <laughs> why I'm an archivist. Like, give me steam powered robots, and I'm a happy man. So, you know, def- definitely looking, uh, definitely looking at uh, getting Hoffman. Are you sore about uh, Ramos getting pushed out? 
Yeah, so I mean, a lot of people know Ramos is my favourite uh, favorite master, and I think when that was that was probably announced relatively early on. I think my my take was, and my take is, look, you know, if 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 Ramos has to go away in order to have a better third edition, then you know, I, I kind of take that. Um, you know, I, I really like the guy, and he's not dead. You know, he could very much come back at some point in the future, and I, I do hope he does, but. They can't keep weird, you know, we talked about this earlier. We can't keep printing new models if no models are ever going to lead to the game. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the only way we'd have to sell models in order to stay in business, the only way that they're going to sell more models is either got to take some stuff out of the game or have us play with more models. And I don't think have us play with more models is the answer, right? Um, so the, their options are sort of power creep or take stuff out. And I would much rather they take stuff out. And what I'm really hoping we get as we go forward actually is more models being kicked out the back of the game that are bits of long-standing models and having the story move on um and so you know and i appreciate for players you know look, i you know there are people who are probably more invested in in, in certain certain masters than i am i mean I, I do love ramos but he'll sit on my shelf now and supervise the arcanist construction in my hobby room and you know we'll you know if he comes back he comes back yeah, I think a rotation's fine. Uh, and, and I think my first take was similar to yours, where I'm like, this, why are they doing this? This seems bad. But the more I've thought about it, I'm like, you you look at any game that has legs, you know, and out, you know, you see this. You see it in miniature games. You especially see it in uh, card games. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's okay. Um, you know, it, you have to, but you have to get rid of that emotional entitlement that, you know, I bought this model, so I have the right to play it the way I want to play it. And I think once you kind of let go of that, you're, you'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly that. And I, I think the, the interesting, you know, and that's, that's the challenge, right? So in a, in a card game, you don't invest. So in a card game, like characters come back because you can have different versions of characters and you don't invest the kind of time and energy in sleeving a card that you do in, you know, building and painting a Malifaux model. You know, so I, I get the level of emotional investment. The, the sort of the, I mean, entitlement's a word that probably gets thrown around too much. Uh, and, you know, that, you know, it's not a criticism of anyone necessarily, but I think, you know, it's, gamer entitlement's probably a loaded term. But I think there is a point of, you know, Weird Cell or any games company, they sell your model to use with a current set of rules. Nobody takes that model off you and no one takes that current set of rules off you. Mm-hmm. But I do think there comes a point where, you have to, um, you know, you have to be able to let go and say, okay, well, look, we we need to move the game on because you know we got we got, you know, the, the commercial imperative exists. I mean, you look at, you know, it's probably an unpopular opinion, but you look at um, the people who are really upset about the death of Warhammer Fantasy um, and the birth of AOS. That's a direct reaction to the fact they couldn't sell fantasy figures to fantasy players because yep. they've all got an army. They don't buy anything new, um, and, and you know, and GW can't continue to support you know, you for free. Um, and that's, a, you know, it's probably an unpopular opinion and I'm sure their PR department would not put it in those terms, but that's kind of where you got to with, with AOS and GW and, and sort of the thing with, the thing with Weird and Malifaux is, no, Weird would, you know, it's more likely Weird would you know, not be in a position to do that. It's more likely Weird would fold. So if you love Malifaux, you've got to be prepared to move on. Um, and that's the same with any smaller game, I think. And, you know, but, you know, and it's not to delegitimize people having an emotional reaction, um, but I think the reality is, and also, like, I'm just going to say this, I don't think anyone loves Colody. I think Colody's been filth for two editions, so yeah. people love playing filth. They might be upset that Colody's no longer <laughs> filth than in the edition, or maybe I am playing him, but, you know, you know, I, I do think there comes a point. Now, some people have asked me about Dead Man's Hand in tournaments. I think for now, if it encourages more people to come back, which it will do, let's have Dead Man's Hand stuff in tournaments for a while, but I'd like us to think... 
actually going back to an earlier question, where are we in a year? I'd like to think we've moved on from that and we can we can move on with some new stuff. And, you know, if some more masters have to die, well, you know, let's embrace our inner Game of Thrones. Let's, you know, let, let's have new and exciting toys. Yeah, I, I, as much as you want to ignore the commercial aspect of it, um, I, I completely agree, James. And uh, unlike GW, where they can they can handle the death of a game and the rebirth again, um, smaller companies may not be able to. Um, so I'm with you on that. But we're bearing the lead. Um, talk to me about how you finished. Uh, where'd you finish? I know you were podium. Yeah, absolutely. So um, two wins and a draw were enough to put me in second. Um, and, you know, so very pleased with that. The the overall winner, Mark's a returning player um, and, and a brilliant guy. So it was great to see him get first. But no, came in second. Um, I'm really pleased with that for my uh, for my second event of the, of the new edition. So two for two on podiums um, and, and looking forward to, to, to more tournaments coming up. All right. That's beautiful. Um, thanks, my friend. Um, this was great. Um, and I hope it's not the last time you come on. Um, I, I would love to check in with you in a couple months and kind of check the pulse um, and see what's going on over there in the UK um, with Arcane Reservoir um, being silent uh, for now. And we're not we're hearing some out of the flipping weirds, but not as much as I'd like. Um, I, I want to hear more because I think that uh, – Part of what has been was great about second edition was looking at the two different metas, looking at the U.S. meta competitively and the U.K. meta competitively, because there's a lot of parallels. There's a lot of differences. Um, both uh, metas made fun of the Australian meta, which I think was healthy for the game. So, um, but uh, yeah, I might bug you again here, James, in a couple of months to check in. Um, anything you want to plug? Um, so a few events coming up, but I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to read out the event calendar. Um, I'm just going to uh, sort of say, if you go to the UK section of the weird forums, there's an event calendar on there. Um, I, I'd really encourage players to check that out and, and to play more games. Um, and just a, a plug for my, um, for any local gaming store, uh, Leodis games in North Leeds. They're a, a fantastic store doing brilliantly. They're a great place to play and a great place to order from. So if you're looking for more Malifaux or, or something from anything, any of the other major systems, um, take a look at leodisgames.com. Um, they're a really brilliant FLGS and they, they really deserve your support. Uh, obviously, I don't you know take part of uh, the commerce with them, but I follow them on Twitter because you know they 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 seem like just like a great, a great organization. So that's good. Um, for those of you out there, you already know how to find the podcast because you're listening to it. Don't forget to go to the website, thirdfloorwars.com and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. We've got a lot of great content going up there. Just search for thirdfloorwars.com. James, uh, take care and uh, good luck. Thank you. Uh, my pleasure. And uh, anytime. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and write a review on this podcast so we can find more people almost as cool as you are. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube by searching for Third Floor Wars. That's T-H-I-R-D. We'll catch you next time on The Third Floor.